we're going to jump right in uh, due to last week. I kind of kicked off a series last week and laid some foundational groundwork that we talk about a lot around here that basically in life, there's this thing known as the law of return. And it's really a law in scripture. What you give to life and what you sow to life is oftentimes what you receive. Amen. And so if we're sowing good things into life, if we're sowing the word of God into life, if we're applying the word of God in life, we're going to have a return on that. But the opposite is true as well. If you sow poor seed or bad seed or whatever it may be out there, how you treat others, right, is oftentimes how it comes back to you. That's known as the law of return in Scripture. And I just kind of laid some foundational work last week because what that means is we are entrusted with this thing called life for the short time that we have life. And because we're entrusted with this short thing called life, we, we are entrusted to be responsible with the life that God has given us. And I'm going to be talking about some of those responsibilities today because responsibility is our response with our abilities. We talked about abilities last week. Remember, uh, we did the uh, parable that Jesus taught about the talents. And he said each one was given according to their what? To their ability. And I, I, I spent a little time on that, man. I hope you heard that. Each one, and some people have more ability than others. I told you I cannot dunk a basketball. By the way, I never could. All right. Now I'm lucky if I can touch the net. I don't know that I can, but I'm just saying that some have more ability than others. Each one though was given a talent, something to do with their ability. And that's the same with each one of us. And we're called and we're to be entrusted with that, to be faithful that good stewards of those things that God has given us in the time that he's allowed us to be here upon this earth because after all, we are his creation. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer and we'll jump in on part two. Dear Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for these, your men. I thank you for what you're doing for us today, Lord. Father, I pray that you would grow us up and send us forth in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're entrusted with this thing known as seed time and harvest, and today I'm going to continue talking about the law of return, but maybe in a little different way. I'm going to be talking about stewarding our blessings, stewarding our finances, stewarding what God has given us, our resources for his kingdom work, and there's a way to do that. You know, um, we can check our hearts on stewardship this morning by listening to these statements and just think about how you would reply to these statements. My job requires too much of my energy. You ever said that? It's my money. I'll spend it how I want. You ever told your wife that? Come on now. It's my life. I'll do with it how and what I want to with it. I don't want to spend my time doing that, right? So Jesus speaks of, of things uh, like this, and, and we have to remember that Genesis 1 is there for a reason. For God created, we didn't create. And so, man, if we can just start right there, God created and we didn't. Just remember that because you are his creation, and his creation is to worship the creator. And by the way, this is a whole other message series I'm working on right now. But today what we're seeing is his creation worshiping the creation. That's a dangerous place to be. All right. And when we talk about stewarding and we talk about what's been entrusted to us, make sure you're not worshiping the creation over the creator. Look, I like a three quarter ton four wheel drive, four door diesel truck. I don't like five dollar diesel. All right. I'm just saying. 
right? These things that are part of the creation, if we're not careful, we will attempt to steward those, and they've really not been entrusted to us because we have debt upon them. So I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about finances and a little bit about debt today. If you remember, Jesus makes some uncomfortable statements. Man, let's, let's look at some of those. He says to the rich man, go and sell what you have and give to the poor. Remember the rich man comes, a rich young ruler says, hey, what, what can I do? And he says, hey, we'll do this, this, and this. And he said, I'm already doing that. He said, all right, here's one. Go sell what you have and give to the poor. And the scripture says he walked away sad. Those are tough words coming from Jesus. How hard it is, Jesus said, how hard it is for a rich man to, for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He goes on to say, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Now, I don't really like giving to Caesar. And uh, by the way, um, thank God there's this new act out there known as the Inflation Reduction Act. If you believe that from the ones who actually have double, triple, have 10% inflation, if you believe they're the ones that can write this act and this bill, man, we need to talk afterwards. But that's creation and that's not the creator. So I'm entrusting God to see me through that and to see you through that as well. And he does say, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. He makes a hard statement here. He said, I tell you the truth about the widow. This poor widow has put more in the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything she had to live on. See, he goes on to say, man cannot serve two masters for he will love the one and he'll hate the other or he'll, or else he will hold to the one and he'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So today, this is a heart check. It goes along exactly with what we were talking about last week because last week we were talking about, look, the law of return. What you sow in life is oftentimes what you reap in life. How faithful you are with what has been entrusted to you. And the reason I want to talk about finances this morning is because Jesus does make something very clear. He says right here that you can't serve both God and money. In other words, both have the power to get you to serve them. So I'm going to talk about that for all of us today. Men, 76% of Americans say that money and finances are a significant stress in their life. And they are. Uh, last night alone, and that comes from the American Psychological Association. Uh, last night I was sitting down and I was going through our budget with my oldest daughter and my middle daughter, Emma, was in there with us. And I'm going through and saying, okay, um, we've got to make a payment to WT. Now, remember, I have to make a payment to Texas A&M as well. So this is how much. And my middle daughter was like, Dad, can we do that? Oh, my goodness, that's a lot of money. And I said, that's right. <laughs> Somebody get a job out there. <clears throat> because I'm one of the 76% of Americans that say that money and finances are a significant stress. 70% of divorces cite that money was a significant factor in their breakup. 80% of couples say they hide purchases or debt from each other. And by the way, men, the reason why I shared that one from the American Psychological, and you can go and read these yourself. You can just Google this, American Psychological Association. Guys primarily hide purchases from their wives. We tend to think our wives hide purchases from us. And if you're like me, I watch that account. I see something bounce out of that account, and I don't recognize it. I just want to tell you, man, I'm, I'm immediately, hey, what is this? Did you do this? 
Where did this come from? Why did it cost that much, right? We do this, man, but look, if I go out and I got to buy a tool, that's a little bit different. She doesn't even know about that. She doesn't even know about that sawzall I needed last week for $140. She'll never use it. Anyway, we got to be careful, man. <clears throat> George Barna, he's uh, is interesting. I'm going to give this statistic again a little bit later, but he says that uh, uh, the Barna Research Company, um, they say 5 to 9% Protestants tithe, 2% for Catholics. So I've wondered how the Catholics get all the gold in the church. But anyway, let's keep going. It shows this, though. When you just look at that, men, what we learn from that is that consumption is more important to about 90% of us than feeding. Just think about that statement that I just made, that consumption is more important to about 90% of us than feeding. See, we lack peace when it comes to our finances. What's at stake if we don't win? Well, it's a heart check, so everything's at stake. You'll begin to see money as your source and your provider. Your marriage, your health, your integrity is all going to be up next to your bank account. That's a dangerous place to be. It's supposed to, all those things are supposed to be up next to God. I'm not teaching this so that you'll give more. I'm teaching this so that we can all get a heart check here. Look, I don't care. That's between you and God. I'm going to tell you right now, it's between you and God. I don't sit here and preach on money. I sit here and preach on our hearts and teach on our hearts. See, when we give to God, we're taking our hands off what already belongs to Him. We're worshiping the Creator instead of the creation. The truth is, all of our stuff, we will either throw in the garbage or place in a garage sale at some point in time. Somebody's going to put it in the garage sale. Even that new mill walk. Anyway, saws off. So, we've got to learn to steward what He has entrusted to us to benefit his kingdom. Because most of us live our lives this way. If I, if I had a whiteboard, which I started to bring a whiteboard in here, I like to teach on a whiteboard. The staff will tell you that. But, uh, I would, I would, uh, on that whiteboard, the first thing I say, this is how most of us live our lives. And when we're young, this is especially true. We spend first. You write me a check and I'm going to go down to Texas tea and get the biggest tea that they make. I'm going to spend it on me first, right? That's, that's just so oftentimes how we live. And then we pay debt. How, what, what I got to pay this week in order to make it to next week? And then we pay taxes because we don't want something that's repossessed or become repossessed in our life. And so then we might save a little if there's a little after all that we've spent in order to save. And then let's be honest, we'll give if there's anything left after we save. And most of us do tend to live that way. And two things govern what percentage goes towards these five categories that I just listed. And here are the five categories. If you didn't get those, let me give them to you again. Spend, pay debt, pay taxes, save, and give. You could say it this way. Spend, pay debt, pay the government, all right? Save, give. Most of us live that way. And two things govern what percentage goes towards each of these five categories, priorities and self-control. Those are the two things. I was listening to Paul Washer this morning, and I don't necessarily recommend people if they want an uplifting sermon to go listen to Paul Washer. But I do listen to him a lot because he does, he does cut it straight. He does not mess around. I believe he is a true believer 
in Jesus Christ. He's not there trying to become famous. He's there sharing the Word of God in the way that he reads the Word of God. And he says these things too. This very morning, in his message this morning, he, he went to 1 Timothy and he said, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. One of my favorite scriptures, 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. And so it takes discipline in order to do these things. It takes self-control. So now if you look at spend, pay debt, pay the government, save, and give, it amounts to this. Watch this. Number one, to spend means me first. To pay debt means me second. To pay the government means America is third. And to pay, uh, uh, to save and give means God and others last. That's how it's set up there in the real uh, language, if you will. So it's me first approach, which will shut God out in your life. Worst, it's offensive because we end up offering God and others our leftovers. That doesn't stop us from asking God to provide us, to provide for us though, does it? Or to bless us or to provide for our work or to sell our houses or to pay my tuition some way, my kid's tuition, right? We want him involved as a helper, but we're not looking for him to be our master. Men, uh, like I said, next week, I'm just going to keep going, so just stay with me. This doesn't end. All right, we're just getting started. But some of us don't know this, and I, I completely understand that churches don't teach this anymore because uh, we've been labeled by the culture as anytime you talk about finances or anything else, uh, that church just after your money. So the culture's labeled us, so the church has said, we better surrender to culture. Why don't we just preach what the, what the Bible says? All right, and just move on. And, and hopefully the culture will, will get a clue on how we're supposed to live our lives. Deuteronomy 10, 14 says this, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, to the earth and everything in it. That everything belongs to Him. And of course, Malachi 3, 7 through 10, From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes. You have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Now that's interesting to me. Because he's about to give the answer on how we can return. Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. Food in my house, uh, bread in my house, so that we may be the difference. See, tithe is 10%. Israel had two tithes, if you didn't know that. One for the Levites, and one for the feast in Jerusalem. Every third year, the second tithe was kept at home to distribute to the poor. This was to be first. It was to prioritize. Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. Who makes a difference for the, for the poor? We should as the church. And then he goes on to say, test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Now, that's not necessarily a financial blessing. That may be where you have an opportunity to relate to him in a spiritual way like you never have before. You ever had a spiritual blessing pour in your life? You ever had a moment with God? You ever been sitting and know that God is there and you are truly in his presence? That's because he's Lord of your life. He's got something to say. And you know, oftentimes, he says to us what he said to his son Jesus when he came up out of the water. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Some of us need affirmation from our father. And he's looking to affirm us. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one, love the other. Either he'll be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. 
Do not worry, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows what you need, knows that you need these things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You see, God wants the very best for us, and He promises these things are going to be added to you. The psalmist, he, he reminds us, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, here's what's interesting. The desires of your heart often change the more you spend time with your father because your desires become his desires. You know, I like to tell the story, and I know I said this some years ago, and, I, and I've shared this two or three times, and this, this is funny, so stay with me. I just got to share it because when I first read this years ago, I was at Wolferth, and, and, and I laughed. And it's hard to make me laugh. So listen to this. There's a man who went to his pastor for prayer. He said, pray that I'll get a job that at least pays $50 a week and I'll tithe faithfully $5, pastor. And after he received it, he said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm actually giving my $5. He went back and he said, pastor, pray that I'll receive $500 a week and I'll tithe, I'll tithe $50 a week. After he received it, um, he's like, this works. Well, let me go back. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask the pastor to pray for me to receive five thousand a week. He received it. And he went to his pastor and said, Hey, it was easy to get five dollars a week. That's not much money. Fifty dollars a week. That's a little more money. But let me tell you something. Five hundred dollars a week is a lot for anyone in any organization to give. I don't know if I can give that much, pastor. And the pastor said, Let's pray. God, please give, please give this man his fifty dollar a week job back. So I thought that was funny. So I've shared that a couple of times. Y'all share that as well. See, prioritizing God's interest financially is an invitation to his activity in your life because it is part of our stewardship. It is what he's entrusted to us. If he's entrusted you a $50 a week job, praise him for that. He's, it's, it's his way. And watch, when we're responsible with that, it goes back to the parable of the talents. We can be entrusted with so much more. You know, the direction, priority of my money reflects the direction or priority of my heart. That's just the way it is. To honor God, our priorities must represent his priorities. Taking our cue from his son, from Jesus. Jesus gave first, right? It means that we learn to flip this list. This list of five things ought to look this way. Give, save, pay taxes, repay debt, spend, or simply, I like to say, give, save, live. Now, some of y'all have done uh, the Bible study, Conquering Debt God's Way by Ammons, and it's a great thing, and that's, that's, this is exactly what he teaches, and it's, and it's very easy to remember. Give, save, live. Give before you spend. Like I said, Barna statistics show about 5 to 9% of Protestants tithe. Catholics are about 2%. This means 90% of us would rather eat than feed. And that's kind of a dangerous place to be because Jesus reminds us the greatest of you will be the servant of all. That, that we are called to serve and to give. And, and that's through our energy, through our efforts, and through our finances, men. So learn to give. Learn what that means. And, and the tithe is really there for protection. I mean, the, the Apostle Paul says, look, we don't need to give out of compulsion. Don't give to get. He makes that clear. He says, no, 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 no. And the apostle Paul was a Pharisee, so he would have given the two tithes anyway. He would have been given 20% when he said that. But he said we ought to, he's showing an example, we ought to live as believers in Christ and be givers. God, when, when, when we do this in this order, where we become 
givers and we begin to give and save and live, what we're saying is, God, I want to make your kingdom and your concerns get funded first. I'll figure out a way to live on the rest. No more leftovers for you, for you're not just my Savior, you're my Lord. Give before you pay debt. You've robbed God long enough. Man, we've robbed God long enough. And that's, that was hard for me. You should give according to your income, lest God make your income according to your giving. That's a pretty good statement there. Should have highlighted that one. So, and then the other, other thing after we learn to give, learn to save. Write the next check to you. Save, no matter how small, learn to make it a habit to save something. Boy, trying to, trying to teach my children what it means to save. My goodness. And what it means to give for that matter. Anyway, and then live. Learn to live on the rest. Learn to live on the rest. And the rest is yours. I mean, the thing about a tithe and the thing about giving is it really protects our heart where we keep Christ on the throne. You, you think he, he doesn't want you to drive that four-wheel drive, three-quarter ton, four-door truck. No, I don't think he's got a problem with it as long as he's Lord. And you're not. As long as you're worshiping him and not the creation. It's, 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 it's not a bad thing to have thing, have things. It's a bad thing when things have you other than God himself. So think percentage, men. Oftentimes the easy way to do this, and I believe that's why the 10% is there. I think it just kind of helps us to think percentage wise. It's not just in dollars. You're living off some percentage of your income right now. You don't know what it is. Why not choose it instead of allowing government and consumption to choose it for you? Learn to master your money and don't let your money master you. All right, because it is what's being entrusted to us. In Mark chapter 12, verse 43 through 44, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than any of the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all that she had to live on. In other words, I'm giving this to my Lord, and he deserves the best, and he deserves it all. And that's true. All of our lives belong to him. Ultimately, he's the giver of our life. I don't think we should ever say, it's my life. I'll do what I want. You didn't create you. And your parents didn't. And even if they did, they probably didn't. Anyway, let's keep going. God loves you. Reprioritize. Learn what it means to give, save, and live. Every so often, I'll come back. Now, I haven't taught this in the church in probably two or three years as far as those principles, give, save, and live. But I have... I do teach on the parable of the talents quite often so that we understand each one is giving according to his ability. And God can increase our ability. What he's looking for is can we be entrusted with more? That's really, to me, the question that comes from God. How are they doing with what I'm giving? Because when we reprioritize around this give, save, live, your life's going to be richer. Your relationship's going to be richer. You're not going to be given leftovers. You're going to be given your first. Your heart gets bigger and God is honored. See, if all of us did, did this, imagine the poor in the world. Let me tell you what would happen to the poor in the world. They, they would become less. And you may say, well, no, there's, there's more beggars out there on the streets than I've ever seen. That's true. Right here in Amarillo, Texas. Goodness, I, they're robbing me. Time I pull up, somebody knocking on my window seemed like I had a stoplight today. It hadn't always been that way. It wasn't that way five years ago. But there's no doubt they're there. But look, when the church really learns to prioritize and live this way, and when I say the poor, you'll always have with you, just as Jesus said, and we do have a call to the poor, let me tell you what we help them understand, what it means to give, 
save, and live. Because most of them that are poor out there have no idea how to do this. They don't. That's why they're out there. So that's why the Bible is so true to us, and that's why God's Word is so true to us. You know, man, shoot, this isn't even my message, but I'm going to say this. You know, here's, here's the truth, man. We have far more truth than what we can live by. You got more truth in you right now than what you can live by. And that's the absolute truth. And so what do we do with that? Will we keep adding to the truth? Well, no, at some point in time, we got to start applying what we know. And as we do that, we'll be the difference for the world. And we will be employing some of these that are unemployed. And I'm all right with that. And I hope you are too. But we have to learn what it means to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us as his men. Father God, thank you for these men. As we go through these questions, grow us up and send us forth. In Jesus' name, amen.